by all that God has uh, shared. And uh, we used to, a uh, long time ago, we used to um, post um, recordings of the services, of the entire service, um, on, uh, I guess, a WhatsApp recording group where um, people used to record and they used to post. And I know now there are several of you who do that. You record the entire service. And uh, you've mentioned that uh, it's been a blessing. As you listen to it again, um, it is a blessing. It blesses you um, greatly. So so um, listening to God's Word is a blessing. And... Um, it will bless you greatly. I myself um, do that when I um, am able to. If I'm driving or um, have to do something, and I rarely get that um, time by myself. And uh, when I do that, every opportunity I get, I go back to the Sunday service and I uh, play the worship. It, it's such a blessing because it just instantaneously brings the presence of God um, to where you are. And also the word um, that God gives. It just brings the presence of God down. And so I encourage you, if you're not doing that, to, to do that, um, to listen to God's um, word. So... Um, yeah, so if we heard the recap of yesterday's um, message. And also, the other thing I want to say is, anytime there's another scripture portion or uh, another message um, that was given before that's announced by the pastor saying that this message was given on uh, such and such a day or this message was given some uh, weeks or months ago or this topic was uh, addressed uh, by the Spirit of God through this pastor or, or maybe some months ago or some weeks ago or, or last Tuesday or whatever it is, it's so important to go back and listen to it because it's going to do something. It did something before, that if you missed it, it'll do something when you go back and listen to it. But to those who listened to it before and to those who go back and listen to it, you actually get even more. And so it's important to go and listen to God's Word and uh, become doers of His Word. The diligence is very important. Those who, uh, if you look at handwriting, those who practice and practice and practice and practice are those who will have very good handwriting. Parents who teach their children to write, sit next to them and make sure they write and write and write, are kids whose handwriting will be really, really good. And uh, parents who say, okay, they write and that's their writing and that's their writing style, whatever they want to write. Um, if you look at uh, those kids' handwriting, it'll, it'll look pretty horrible. And um, when that effort is not put in, both by the parents and by the children, um, you see the result correspondingly. Well, it's going to be 
uh, really good or whether it's going to be average or whether it's going to be uh, terrible. It depends on the effort that we put. Even, even for people who have problems, children who have problems, whatever it is, if you don't show any diligence at all, then then nothing is going to happen. But when you show that 100% effort, then what happens is, with what that person even, with what um, percent effort that is being put into that person who is not able to do anything, the capacity they have, that 100% of that capacity can be utilized. My point here, through the Spirit of God is, maximize your output by maximizing your effort towards your output. It's very important. If you want to really serve God, if you really want to be used of God, if you really want to become something that God would say, well done, on that day, it should be every day where God would, God will um, have to see you and say, well done, here. Even with the little, even with the uh, small things that we are entrusted to do. That 100% being diligent is very important. As God says in His Word in the parable, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in the least, so I'm going to make you ruler over many. The ruler over many is the the responsibilities with authority. There's no responsibility without authority. There's no authority without responsibility. And so responsibility equals your diligence and hard work, um, which will uh, utilize the authority that God has given properly and uh, yield the result that God is uh, looking for and God will appreciate honor and reward. So our labor in the Lord is not in vain. A parent that puts that effort into that child's handwriting is not in vain because once that handwriting is set, that handwriting is set for life. And there are kids and parents will put that effort, but then they'll be so lazy. They'll give the parents such a hard time to write. And uh, what will happen is, with all the effort that is coming in, they'll have, you know, some kind of handwriting. And better than not writing at all. But uh, attitude matters. So in a, in a family, you can have two children, just like the prodigal son story. The same father, the same parent, same mother, coming from the same parents, two children, same effort, no partiality, 100% going in. But the output may not be 100% coming out from both. One will give 100, another one will be barely 30. But if that effort is not there, even the 30 won't come for that lazy one. And so, 
diligence is very important. We need to do our part. Then if that lazy one doesn't do, and then the lazy one's handwriting becomes like a chicken scratch, then for life, that lazy one is going to bear that. The parents will be gone. They'll finish their duty and they'll be gone. They won't be there. So when the lazy one becomes 50 years old, 60 years old, 70 years old, sitting with the same chicken scratch, with most people not able to understand their handwriting. The consequence. But those who are the diligent, when that effort comes in, they take that and they are thankful for that and they work with it and they are with that handwriting for the rest of their lives where not only um, can you understand when you, you yourself write, it's pleasing to the eyes and pleasing to whoever reads. It's easy on other people's eyes. And, and when it's exceptional, people say, oh, what a beautiful handwriting it is. That's commendation, appreciation. In a good way, in a right way, which is due to someone who worked hard. And so, these are all earthly matters, but still, it is important. It is very important because it's a reflection of who we are and what uh, kind of uh, character do we have and uh, how much effort we'll put and how diligent we are and and uh, how much we can actually uh, push through. Very important. So, if the earthly things are so important... How much more the heavenly things? I always say this. What you do in the earthly realm is a reflection, you know, of you on the inside, if you're a believer. We can never say, well, I read the Bible, I pray, and I'm a Christian, and, and uh, I'm a believer, and I go to Elbertov, and I pray and read all the time, so uh, I am sloppy at my work, and I do everything so fast, and um, do work to the minimum so that I can read and pray, and I can focus on God. No. And that means you're being dishonest at your workplace. Whatever you do, do it hardly unto the Lord, not unto man. We know that God is a rewarder. Because God sees the work. That's what the scripture says. That's what the Spirit of God has said. It is God directly speaking through the servant of God who is penned used by God to write that scripture for every reader of that scripture whatever you do whether you wash dishes whether you clean the sink whether you change the baby's diaper whether you cook whether you type something for your work or whether you you make your food for your spouse. Whatever you do, do it heartily unto God and not unto man. For your labor, when you labor, not for the sake of laboring, for someone to please someone or not for the sake of just doing 
practice your husband's duty or wife's duty or mother's duty or father's duty or grandmother's duty or grandfather's duty or uncle's duty or aunt's duty or daughter's duty or son's duty or whatever it is or a worker's duty or a believer's duty whatever it is that's where it says whatever you do whatever you do don't do it just to do it or don't do it just to please a person don't do it just for promotion's sake or don't do it just for an award or don't do it just to impress people but do it unto God when you do it unto God then whatever the consequence that comes as a result of what you're doing that means when your good is spoken evil of when you work so hard and you don't get the promotion that you think you deserve and someone else who hardly worked and got the promotion you work and work and work at home and the spouse never even acknowledges what you're doing and it's taken for granted you say like I'm going to take care of the children and and uh, doing all these things and I'm so exhausted and and who is saying nobody's saying it and then I'm working so hard and I'm like really exhausted or why should I do this and there are people who grow weary weary what's the point in doing this let me take some shortcuts god's word says don't grow weary in doing good don't grow do- weary in doing good because in due time you will reap the reward if you do not faint don't grow weary in doing good so there is an end result for everything we do whether you are a husband wife mother father grandfather grandmother daughter son niece nephew uncle aunt a believer in the kingdom of god a laborer in god's kingdom or a servant in god's kingdom whatever your part is in that kingdom and in this world but for those who are in the kingdom of god who are truly in the kingdom of god you cannot divorce what you do at work from serving god you cannot divorce what you do at home for your spouse for your kids for your family for your coworkers from god all the more you cannot divorce what you're doing in the house of god from god you can't if you are a child of god whatever we do is right before god's eyes now, even if you're not a child of god it is before god's eyes but when it is a child of god there's something that happens with everything that we do But God takes notice 
of everything we do. There are angels who record everything we do. And there's a reward that comes for all that we do. No matter how long it may take, there's a reward for every work that we do. There is a compensation. There is a commendation. There is this God kind of applause. And God, God kind of elevation that comes from the hand of God, that'll happen. That principle, sowing and reaping, stays true as long as this earth will stay, as long as human beings are alive and are allowed to live on the earth. So whatever we do, there is this sowing and reaping. A farmer never sows and just says, I sowed and then after this, I'm done. No. He has to continue to watch the crop and make sure that no pests are there. He has to continue to make sure that the crops are watered. He has to continue to tend to his garden, make sure there are no weeds. And he has to do all of it until the harvest comes. And even when the harvest comes, he has to stand and check on all his crops, make sure that no disease comes and no wild birds or beasts eat the fruit. Give all diligence, the Bible says. Give all diligence to what? To your life? To your doctrine? Your test- all participants are muted. And to your labor. And if you are in Christ, whatever you're doing, you're doing in Christ. You're laboring in Christ. You need to have that all the time before you. No Christian should be a sloppy Christian. And no Christian should be doing anything for the sake of doing it. Because the labor in the Lord is noticed by God. It is going to determine, it is going to determine how you're going to be received in heaven. Whether there's going to be an abundance entry in heaven or not, it's going to determine how you're going to be blessed on earth. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. What is this faith? This faith is God sees, God takes notice, God hears, God answers, and God rewards all those who diligently seek Him and serve Him. Seek Him and serve Him. I'm combining scriptures together here as the Spirit of the Lord wants me to. God rewards those who diligently seek Him and serve Him. The eyes of the Lord, they run to and fro, looking to see 
whose hearts are loyal towards him. That means, whatever we do, we're doing it before God and unto God, not for man. That's why those who serve God, truly serve God, don't serve God. When I say serve God, there are many, many scriptures I can bring before you. Samuel, the child, served God at the temple by serving Eli, the priest. Elisha, the prophet, before he became a prophet, served God by serving Elijah, the prophet. There are many scriptures, many, many scriptures in the Bible, you see. They were all given something to do by God Almighty. What were they given? Including Gahasi. What were they given? They were given a job to do. To get water, to get food, or to go and tell this to someone, or bring someone here. Like for Gahasi, the prophet would say, tell Naaman this. Or go to that Shunammite woman with my staff and go do this. There are things and there are responsibilities given by God to each and every single person. And there are earthly things that are given in order for God to bless the person. See, anytime God gives you a job to do, always remember, it's not because God needs you, but because God wants to bless you. God can do anything. He can use an angel. God used an angel to feed the prophet of God, Elijah. God used a raven to feed the prophet of God. He didn't need. He didn't need. God didn't need. God's servant didn't need. The widow at Zarfat to feed the prophet of God. That was the lad at the last um, minute when she's about to die to go to her and ask her for something that the woman barely has. But God was setting this woman up for success. And many people died from famine. And she herself said that she was going to die, she and her son, they were going to die from the famine. God blessed this woman because of her obedience to God's word that came through the prophet of God. But that work was given to her in order for God to bless her. Many people are small-minded and when they're small-minded they end up losing the blessing. The Bible says when you give, give cheerfully. If you don't give cheerfully, that reward that is there, that God has for 
God to bless you will not come to you. It's not going to come to you. The way that God intended for it to come to you. Because it didn't really reach the heart of God. Like Cain, what he did didn't reach the heart of God. One was accepted and appreciated. The other one was not. So as we see these things, we can understand God is someone who is always looking to bless us and He's looking for ways to bless us. And when He leads us to do something, we need to understand that this is an opportunity that God is looking for to bless me. And we also saw this. I taught on this in our LTS class and how God moved the Shunammite woman as the prophet was going by that side frequently and many times he had gone before so he was fine passing by God took care of him but suddenly God moved her heart to say you need to have him stop at your place so that he can eat she's not doing him a favor God is moving her to bless her and she had that heart not out of compulsion but that excitement that attitude in doing a cheerful woman of God she was and she went and told her husband both of them cheerfully did what happened as a result you cannot compare the blessing that they received to what they did for the prophet of God you cannot compare there's no comparison at all it outweighs for greatly when you see that which no doctor or medicine no human can produce God gave it to her so the point here that the Holy Spirit is bringing is whatever you're called by God to do now this doesn't include frivolous things that people do they just run around and run around run around I'm doing this to please this person I'm doing this to please that person I'm doing here and doing that so they all think that I'm really good and I'm a superhero here and, and a superhero there no all those will be burned down flashes so there's a difference in labor itself there's a difference the spirit of God is speaking so I really want you to pay close attention to what the Holy Spirit is speaking it's very important this message is very very important God says there are some people's work their work is built each person's work is their construction 
and what you're building on and what you're building with is important what you're building on and what you're building with is very important if you don't build on that rock then my construction will come crumbling down as Jesus said if I don't build with proper materials then my construction will come crumbling down as well the spirit of God through Apostle Paul has said this so what are we doing there are a lot of people I'm not talking about unbelievers I'm talking about believers who labor Jesus said this labor not for the meat that perishes we saw this um, when was it yeah on the first day of fasting prayer God spoke to us on this about uh, our service who are we serving serve God and don't serve money this is who are you serving the other one is do labor don't labor for your belly Don't labor for the meat that perishes. In in the place of meat, you can substitute anything. Don't labor for anything that perishes, period. Don't go after frivolous things and waste your time on that. Because if it doesn't have eternal value, you're wasting your time. And you're building a sandcastle, no matter how beautiful it may appear, when the wave comes, it's all gone. When a wild beast runs over it, it's all gone. Whatever external force will come, it'll just wipe it down. God is speaking to our hearts today. So whatever you're doing, make sure you're doing the will of God. Whoever you're doing for, or whatever you're doing and whoever it is for, make sure that it amounts to something that will last. So our labor should be for God and our labor should be in God. These two are different things. And I pray that the Spirit of God will help you to understand the depth of what the Holy Spirit is speaking at this hour. Labor for Him and laboring in Him. Two different things, and they go together. They're like two wings of an airplane or two wings of a bird. You need to be doing the will of God, and you have to be doing the will of God, not carnally, but spiritually. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. This is God's word. So, in your work as a worker 
in your day-to-day responsibilities as a spouse, as a son or a daughter or a parent, grandparent, as a student or a teacher, whatever your role is, wherever you are. It's not just when you go outside and do something, you feel like a lot of time it's easy. I've been in all kinds of environments, both in the secular home and in ministry for a long time. One thing was constant, which is, whatever it was, it was unto God. Even in the midst of pressure, it was unto God. We know when it's unto God, it all converts. You genuinely do it because this is for God. And you give a hundred percent because it's for God. And it converts. And the conversion comes in the form of expansion. Even with that expansion comes this, the testing. Within that expansion, what is your capacity? In that expansion, will you be faithful? In that expansion, will you still be diligent? Yes, you had two and the two, you multiplied to four. Now with the four, how are you going to be there? It's at that point that a lot of people will say, four is good, I can't have more than four. I'll just sit with four and then multiplication stops. And there are some who can turn the four into sixteen and some will turn into eight. Some will turn into five. That growth all of a sudden slows down. You know, you call that growing weary. Growing weary in well-doing, that enthusiasm goes down. That diligence goes down. The output is corresponding to the person's capacity, ability, tenacity on the inside. I've said this many times before and I will say it again as God wants me to. What you are on the inside will reflect on the outside when the storm hits you. If you're strong on the inside because you've spent time with God, because of Christ working inside of you, then when that storm hits, that rock will stand and the house that is built on the rock will stand because the work was done inside by Christ himself. And the work that was built by this man or this woman, along with Christ who is the master builder with his constructions coming up, and all diligence was given into this construction, will stand. You know, and, and some places where you have fires or storm. In the news, they will say, "I don't, I don't uh, 
watch, hear or read news. But this is from long time ago. So that the Spirit of God is bringing as an illustration that, uh, by the way, I'm not telling no one should read, hear or watch news. This is my personal leading that God is leading me and it's not to be um, legalistically taken or followed. Each person God leads individually. But uh, the purpose here, I really want you to stick to the point that God is speaking and not go into side issues and lose the main focus here. The fire or the storm took down all these homes and then they will say one thing. But this house alone was not damaged. Oh, it's a miracle. And it comes big on the news and everybody talks about it. But this hurricane did this and and just this community alone was not affected by it. So, when we hear these things, we know there was something that kept that house or kept that property or building or that individual. Well, this person should have died, but they didn't die. There's something that stands out. There's some supernatural work of God. That's what the Bible talks about. Every person's work will be tested by fire. And when the fire of God comes, whatever a person has built, this is talking about a believer, every single person who is serving God, you are serving God in some capacity. We are all called to serve God in different ways. Just like in a body, every member has a function to do. Every single person has a function to do it, except each person's function, role, varies. And also, as the Bible talks about, when you see the gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to the role and according to the integrity, and as you grow and expand, the value, the worth of that person's work and that person himself or herself increases also. It definitely... The brain is the brain of a person is more important than the small toe. If the small toe is infected, it's going to affect the brain. Nobody's going to say, "Well, um, we can't remove that small toe because um, it's very important." I let the brain die. No. Every organ is important, but if the gallbladder is infected and if it's going to kill that person, and the heart will stop, then they will remove that gallbladder route. But the gallbladder has its functions, very important. The the small toe that is there, it's not just for decoration, God has put it, it's for balance, it's very important. It shouldn't get infected, but if it happens for some reason, it is removed. So are the eyes. There are people who have brain tumors and and they will go for surgery and they know that there's a high chance that they can not speak or hear 
I'll be able to see after they come out of this surgery. And we see that even in the gifts of the Spirit in the Bible that God says in the Apostle Paul, through the Spirit of God speaks on that. So there's this false, very false notion, a demonic attitude that has been spread by demons to say that, oh, we're all equal and just like how they say, God loves everyone, whether you're a sinner or a saint, He loves you equal and you can't do anything to love God more or less. That's a light that comes from the pit of hell. As God says, if you obey Him and you keep His commandments, you love Him. There's a special love that comes from God, but no one gets that. The relationship between a husband and wife is only between a husband and wife. No one gets that. A relationship between a baby and a mother is between a baby and a mother. No one can get that. Not even. Not even. The father. There are certain relationships that are exclusive. But God keeps it. Different types of love, different kinds of love, only reserved for certain people, certain things. If you become the child of that mother, or if you become the spouse of that person, that's how it is with God, creator of heaven and earth. When you become the child of God, it will cause you to ride on high places, feed on the finest of wheat, and clothe you with the most royal clothing. You can't be like the prodigal child. You can be like the son. Listen to the father in everything. And he was given everything. Nothing was kept from him. And there's this love that God says. This world does not know of. Jesus said, I and my father will come and make our abode with such people. And there's this unique love that only such people, people who are 100% obedient to God, will experience. That no one will know of. And the heavenly experiences no one will know of. They won't even have a clue as to what it is. They can read and talk about it and, and say, I guess it, I dreamt it and all those things. They have no idea of. So just to make a person feel better, can we say? Everybody runs, even in schools they do this, it's so demonic. But they say, you don't want to make the person who loses feel bad, so everybody wins. How can everybody win? How can everybody win? Run so that you may win, Apostle Paul says, through the Spirit of God. It's a false world. It's a lie that keeps a person in failure and makes them to think that they have succeeded when they have failed. But will it really work in the Olympic world? Will it really work in a, a professional competition? They all go and compete and then they all come and stand and everybody gets a gold medal. No. So there is this real world and a false world and a lot of people choose to live in that false world thinking that I won when I failed. Run so that you may obtain the crown. Not the perishable, but the imperishable. 
There are many people living during the lifetime of Abraham, but only Abraham was the friend of God. Not even Sarah. Sarah was in the hall of faith, but Abraham was the friend of God. You see the distinction there? Same goes for Moses. Daniel. Prophet Samuel. Daniel was also a prophet of God. You see the distinction there. God says, do your best. Not because you have to, but because you want to. Those who do it because they want to are the ones who are actually going to be in the outstanding class. You need to be among the want-tos, not the have-tos. Have-tos will also get their rewards. But the distinction comes for those who do their best because they want to, they cheerfully do it. It's like their heart and their soul, their emotions, everything is in their work. It's them there. The have-tos are they'll give the 100% because they have to, because I need to get a promotion. You see the difference? You're doing it because you're saying, okay, I need to obtain this, so I'm putting 100%. Well, great job. But you complained the whole time, really did. Great job, but you were all the time saying, oh, I wish I didn't have to do it, but I'm doing it because I have to do it. There's a distinction there. But then you have others, a few, a few, who say, it's very hard, but I really want to do this. Because I love this person. Yes, I have to stay up all night, but I'm so excited to see this person, so I'm cleaning the house. The others will say, oh, I have to clean the house now. Boy, this person's coming now. I got to do this. There's a big difference there. Both of them can clean it spotlessly, but you know what? One cleans it and is excited and waiting. There's a big difference there. The one who does it, putting his or her heart and soul into it, their work will stand out. It'll just shine and dazzle and sparkle because it has the person in it, not just the work. I hope you understand what the Spirit of God is conveying right now. Present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. Whatever you do, do it unto God and not unto man. Not because you have to, because you want to. Then your work will sparkle about the rest. Now you're not doing it because you want to put others down and I want my work to sparkle. You see the difference in attitude? It really stinks when people have such attitude and try to compete because they want to stand up because others need to look bad. That kind of work will burn down to ashes. It's so demonic how these kinds of thoughts are entertained and it's, it's so disgusting. And those types of work will rise as a stink, as a foul odor, as a smell of death before God. But in 
God's kingdom, every work is gauged, measured, with the plumb line of God Almighty. But when you do it unto God, because you love Him, your focus is Him. There's also the scriptures, this is Noah. By him building the ark, he condemned the rest of the world. He didn't build the ark in order to condemn, but his work condemned the rest of the world. There's a distinction between that and people who are doing just to put others down. Noah, while building the ark, he was preaching and preaching and preaching. His heart was to get people in, get in, get in, get in, get in, get in. His heart was to bring everyone in. That's why his work condemned the rest of this world, because they did not get in. You see the difference? His heart was just like the heart of God. No one should perish. No one should perish. No one should perish. No one should perish. Even if they didn't come to build the ark, his heart was no one should perish. And he kept preaching and preaching and preaching. He wasn't calling people, come build the ark, I need some help. Please come build the ark, I need some help. And and uh, somehow build the ark and those who build the ark can get in. No. No. No one his family did it regardless of who came or not. But they preached. Noah preached. And his family built. They all did the work of God. Noah was called to preach. And as he preached, while he built the ark, no one other than the eight people, including himself, in the human race, got in. No one got in. No one got in. No one got in to the ark. Because of that, the rest of the world Experience of condemnation. What is that? Very similar to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because you didn't take that highway that was provided when that accident happened. All those who took the road that was damaged, they all got into the accident as well. Doesn't mean that those who created the highway and those who went on the highway are bad. No. They took the highway and they escaped and they called the rest and they didn't come. Because of that, they died. You see? Those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they are saved. Those who don't believe on Him are condemned already. Why? Because they simply refuse to take the way of escape. Because of that, they have pronounce the death sentence upon themselves. That's all it means. When God calls us to do something, we fail to do that and somebody does that job. It just shows that we could have done. We could have received it. We just didn't want to. We just despised and disregarded it what God called us to do. You know, the person who took our place stands. Stands as God's standard to show. 
you didn't do what you should have done. There's no excuse. One talent, two talents, five talents. They're all given something to do. One chose not to do anything. With it, in a sense that he didn't put that to use, he didn't work like the other two. He did something. He worked. What kind of work did he do? He buried it. That's work too. His work produced zero result. Three people worked. One buried it, two multiplied it. God is looking for the output. He's giving into our hands so that we can be blessed. He's looking to see how He can expand you, how He can bless you, how He can add to you. But when that outlook is twisted and perverted, and the focus is me, Satan has a field there in the lives of such people. I don't want to do this because I don't feel like it. You can put an equal sign and put a zero next to it. I don't want to do this because every time I do this, I get a bad name for it. What's the point in doing that? So I'm not going to do it. Put an equal sign and put a zero next to it. I don't want to do this because I work so hard and do it, I don't get a thank you, so I'm not going to do it next time. Put an equal to it and put a zero to it. I don't want to do this because it really hurts and it's hard work and it's not comfortable. Put an equal to it and put a zero to it. I don't want to do this because it takes away from my sleep and put an equal to it and a zero to it. I don't want to do this because nobody sees it. Put an equal to it and put a big zero next to it. I don't want to do this because it's not my kind of thing to do. If I like doing this, I do. I don't enjoy these things and so. Put an equal to it and put a zero to it. I don't want to do it. Because I don't see the gain that I can get and how it can appeal to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Put an equal to it and put a zero to it. I don't want to do it because it's not taking me to the limelight. Put an equal to it and put a zero to it. I don't want to do it. When I say I don't want to do it, there's a work plus in whatever I'm saying. Put an equal and a zero. Whatever you are entrusted with, whatever you should be doing, when you say, I don't want to do it. And you half-heartedly do it, put an equal to it, and put a zero to it. God is speaking to our hearts at this hour. Whatever you do, do it heartily unto God, wholeheartedly unto God, with everything that is within you, unto God, cheerfully unto God. 
let it be an offering to you, offering to God Almighty. That's what it is. Whatever you're called to do, when you do it unto God, yes, even housework, yes. You're called to be a wife, called to be a husband, called to be a son or a daughter or father or mother or grandfather, grandmother, whatever your role is. Whatever you're called to do, wherever you're working, whatever you're called to do, wherever, especially in the house of God. So whatever you're called to do, this God has called you to. It's a special calling when God calls. Like God moved. The Zarashat widow. To serve the prophet of God, Elijah. Or God moved the Shunammite woman and her husband. To serve the prophet of God. Whatever the call is, whatever God is moving you to do, do it unto God, whatever it may be, whatever. Or, well, I was called to serve the prophet of God. Samuel, who was left by his mom in the temple of God, to serve the priest of God there. And he was standing before God, the Bible says, serving God. From there, Samuel became the prophet of God. From there, Elisha became the prophet of God. From there, the Shunammite woman and her husband received the inheritance that they never had. And the spiritual experiences that they would have never had to see the dead come back to life. And she's one among the women that God has placed in the book of Hebrews 11 among those women who received the dead back to life by faith. God is speaking to our hearts of this hour. God is speaking to our hearts of this hour. Don't do a half-hearted service. Don't do a sloppy job. Or don't do your best with the wrong attitude. Don't do anything. that you're doing in this world thinking that this is just for my children or this is just for my spouse or this is just for my boss or this is just for for my teacher or this is just for I just to submit this essay I'm just going to do a sloppy job and just, just pray for an A don't do those things or while you're doing, just complain and complain and complain. Oh God, I can't believe I need to do this now. Know that. If you're doing it, you're doing it because you want God to be glorified in your work. And you're doing, Lord, even if there's something that is not directly related to your kingdom. That means you're not evangelizing if you're writing a physics paper. Or you're doing an experiment. You're doing a lab work. It doesn't mean you should be complaining there because oh, it's just a 
earthly work. No, there's no earthly work divorced from heavenly work for a believer. In every place we are called to shine as lights, Daniel, that's how shone in Babylon as a righteous servant of God. Very distinguished. In what? In the Babylonian language. In all the skills. He surpassed all those people who were there. God's people are people who should do their work with excellence. Whatever they touch. When people say they work, it should glorify God. Whatever you do, don't look for shortcuts. If the shortcuts can save you time and produce an excellent work, go for it. Sometimes God will show you. But when I say don't look for shortcuts, don't cut corners to produce a, a job that is not your 100%, a job that will not be a job well done. You can do something that you can do for 24 hours with exceptional tools and machinery and cut it into four hours. That's a very good thing if you can save time. But the quality of work should not be diminished. It should only increase. With less time you can produce more like a sower back in those days hand planting the seeds sowing now you use technology tractors and machines you can sow many acres in far less time than and with more precision than a person sowing one by one or scattering the seeds, even then covering more acreages. Not within the time that a, a tractor or machine will do. So using technology, when I say shortcuts, doesn't mean that you don't use the latest technology or don't use the tools that can actually accelerate your work and cut your time short and make you more productive. That's not what I'm talking about. Please don't get me wrong. That would be insane to even think that way. The point here that the Spirit of God is highlighting is don't try to see how I can not meet the requirements by looking for loopholes and produce a work that is not the quality that God will be pleased with. God is speaking to our hearts this time. Your labor is not in vain. When you do it, always know that whatever I'm doing, God is saying. Whatever you're doing at work, whatever work you have to do, do it joyfully unto God. Joyfully unto God. Because it is the Lord Christ whom you serve. Yes, even washing dishes, yes. Do it joyfully unto God. Even if the body hurts, even if you're exhausted. You can still worship God while you're working. And do it unto God. Joyfully unto God. Because you know you're serving Him. Those are the ones who actually moved on to do mighty things for God. 
At home, outside the home, or in the house of God, do it unto God. Do it unto God. And do it without complaining. Do it without murmuring. And do it cheerfully. Not without complaining, not without murmuring. It's one step. Do it cheerfully. Doing it cheerfully is another level. In the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation, in the midst of hardships, in the midst of heartaches, in the midst of despising, in the midst of scorning, in the midst of persecution, there is the joy that is in the hearts of those who do it unto God, that this world does not know of. God says, such people receive the reward from God that Christ will give to them on that day and even during our lifetime shall we pray Father we thank you Lord for this time thank you Lord as you know that well, I didn't come here to speak anything as you know that we were about to go into reflection but the spirit of God has opened his mouth and he has spoken through his servant. I thank you for every word that you have spoken. Lord, just like you had your twelve disciples and the seventy and some more with you. And you gave your word just to them. Many things that you gave to them that were just kept. Later on, were given to the rest of the world. But during that lifetime, they received it. It was such a special thing to sit next to Jesus and to hear him speak. And some of them who heard it went on to turning the world upside down. As you're doing the same here in this church, Lord, in this part of this world, in a small group of people, Lord, you're revealing many, many, many truths that many of this world and Christians don't want to hear don't understand, don't want to understand, and many don't have the privilege to hear. I pray may our church understand and value this great opportunity you've given to them in this season, in this time period, where you have invested these eternal truths through the Spirit of God who is in our midst speaking through your servants here. I pray may each one take it, Lord, and make full use of it. May each one take this and benefit by it. 
they may become one among those who will turn this world upside down. For this we are called not to merely exist and die, but to be that light that Christ has called us to be. A city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden, not for a show, but for a purpose. O oh Lord, I pray that you will bless this house of God and this household of faith, that they may move into the abundance that you have for them by giving their all to you with the right attitude, with the right heart, with their best effort when they study the Word of God, with the right attitude, with the right heart, the best effort when they serve you. Whatever they do this day, Lord, whatever you've called them to do this day, may they never forget what you've spoken. May they apply it, Father. May their life and lifestyle change. May this word that you're given have a lasting effect, not just a temporary effect. May they become people who be conformed to the image of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I pronounce your blessing upon your people. That they may labor anew, so that their labor may not be in vain. May they labor anew, so that they may receive the reward that you have for them. They may receive what you want to give, Father. As your heart becomes so full of joy when you see the work of those who labor in you. When you see the faces of those who toil, they toil for you. And out of your joy, you reward them. You're waiting to reward many people. Your heart is so heavy because you're not able to reward them. May no one bring grief to the heart of the Father. May they be people who bring joy to God as they receive their reward. May they bring in you, Father. May people be cheerful in everything that they do. Let it be unto you. With this blessing, I bless you people with. May I thank you for doing it. In Jesus' most precious name, I pray. Amen.